So, Father, we ask that your word would be our rule. We pray that you would speak to us now, that we would see you and rejoice in your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to come with me for a walk tonight. But don't worry, you don't need a coat. You don't need your walking shoes. If you're in your high heels, it's absolutely fine because we're not going to leave the pews. But I want you to come for a walk. It might be a road that you know very well. A road that you have walked many a time. It's the road to Emmaus. A road of confusion. A road of disappointment. You see, sometimes I think to myself, it would be great to have been among Jesus' first disciples. To be with him as he did his miracles. To be with him to hear his teaching. To be with him on that first resurrection day. And yet our travel companions tonight were there. In Jerusalem. On that first resurrection day. They've heard that the tomb is empty. They've heard that Jesus is alive. They've heard the good news. But you wouldn't think it to look at them. These two trudge home hopes have been crushed dreams are fading they're confused hurt and lost they're talking it out they're Failing to understand what has gone wrong. I wonder, have you walked that road to Emmaus recently? I remember uh, last year, probably in May, I think it was, and I walked that road. Brian, my brother-in-law and myself had set off down to Dublin. We were full of hope and expectation and we thought that Ulster were going to beat Leinster and make it through to the final of the Pro 12 at Rugby League. But we lost. And the whole way home those 
100 miles roughly from Dublin to Dromore. We analysed every second of the game. What went wrong? When the, the pass should have been just spot on. When the Leinster players should have been tackled to bring them down and stop them scoring yet another try. But that's a trivial example of the road to a mess. Maybe, maybe you're walking that road tonight. Maybe you are dealing with disappointment. Maybe you're struggling to understand why something is happening in your life. Maybe you wonder what God is playing at. Why things haven't worked out the way you thought that they would. So join these two. Walk along that road to Emmaus. Because even though it's painful, and even though it's an uncomfortable experience, at the end of it, there is hope. At the end of it, there is a change that's coming. But to get to the change, they have to walk along the road. Those seven miles. This isn't a military march. This is a head down, hands in the pocket kind of slow walk. And as they walk along, as they talk it out, They're joined by a stranger. At least they think he's a stranger. Their eyes are kept from recognizing him. They they look at him but they can't see who he is. They don't know him. But we, we know who he is. Look at verse 15. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. We're in on the secret at the start. And the stranger wants to know, well, what are you talking about? He can see that Something has annoyed them. Something that they're trying to understand. What is it you're talking about? And they stop. And they stand still. And they look sad. And Cleopas says. How could you not know what we're talking about? How could you be coming from Jerusalem. And not know what has happened. In these last few days. Surely everyone must be talking about this. About what? The stranger says. And so from uh, verse 19. 
they spell out what they know. And as you look at it, as you read what they say, as you hear the summary of what they tell Jesus, they know everything. They have the full facts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Jesus was an amazing man. But then things didn't turn out the way they thought. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And that's where the doubt sets in. Do you see what they say in verse 21? Do you hear the disappointment in their voice? But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Just think of the optimism on Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the crowds cheered for him and they thought, yes, this is Jesus coming to redeem us. And how everything had fallen apart. The crowd had abandoned him. One friend had betrayed him. Another denied him and the rest ran away and left him. We didn't think he could die. We had hoped he would redeem Israel. But as Jesus died on the cross, their hope died with him. But that's not all. You see, they know so much more uh, still in verse 21. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. They know about the empty tomb. They know that the woman went to the tomb and found it empty. They have heard the message of the angels that said that he is alive. And if they didn't trust the women, sorry ladies, but if they didn't trust the women, they had confirmation that the tomb was empty. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. So the women weren't making it up. The women weren't just telling a little story. They found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. An empty tomb. The message that he is alive, but they can't understand it. Now imagine that these these, um, people, these disciples are saying this to Jesus. Him they did not see. 
And who are they looking at as they say it? Him who they didn't see. Or who they couldn't see. But their hope had died when Jesus had died. They were disappointed with God. Their hopes were dashed because they couldn't see Jesus. They couldn't understand and so so they left. They packed up and went home. The adventure was great while it lasted. But it's all over now. And maybe... Maybe Theophilus is thinking the same. You see, right at the very start of Luke's Gospel, in chapter 1, Luke tells us why he writes the Gospel. He says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Maybe Luke thinks that when Theophilus hears that the tomb is empty, that the message of the angels is that Jesus is alive, but that's just a message. How can he have certainty That Jesus is alive. And so he tells what happened in this instance. Now if I were Jesus. I think that I would have said at this point. It's fine. It's me. Look. You don't realize you're talking to me. But it is me. I am alive, so don't worry anymore. But that's not how Jesus does it. Jesus gives them the scripture before giving them the experience. He gives them the facts before the experience. He gives them the explanation before the exhilaration. Exhilaration. And so... He first of all allows them to see Jesus in the scriptures. Verse 25. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They're pouring out their heart to this stranger. And you might, they might have expected him to say, that's terrible. I'm really feeling your pain as well. I wonder what that's all about. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're foolish for not understanding. How slow of heart you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then he asks that question. Was it not necessary 
that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. You see, Jesus says that this was what had to happen. That this was, if you like, the script that had been written in advance. That it wasn't, you know, Jesus was doing all these great things and then something terrible happened. What a pity. No, no, no. Jesus was doing these great things, but it was already written that he would have to suffer. This was the plan all along. And we see that in verse 27, because he begins with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus says that the Old Testament is all about him. That when we read through the Old Testament, it's all pointing towards what Jesus has done. Or what Jesus would do when he came. You see, God had promised beforehand that it would be like this. This isn't a cause for disappointment. This is a cause for rejoicing. That Jesus has fulfilled what he had said. We need to see Jesus in all the scriptures. So as you open your Bible, perhaps that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, show me Jesus in what I read in the Old Testament. Show me how this points to him. Show me how this prepares for him. Because Jesus says it's all about him. So they saw Jesus in the scriptures. But then they saw Jesus in the flesh. They come near to the village of Emmaus. They have walked those seven miles. And Jesus pretends as if he's going further. Have you ever had that kind of, you'd like to go to somebody's house, but you pretend you're not going to their house, and then they say, oh, no, no, come in, come in, come in. Come in for a wee cup of tea before you go home. Someone has done that. That's good. Francis, you have experienced that before. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you have experienced people who, you know, come to your house and, you know, they sit a wee while and you say, oh, I'll make you a cup of tea. And they say, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But you know they really do want a cup of tea. Well, maybe that's something like uh, what's happening here. Jesus uh, pretends that he's going farther, that he's not going to stop. But they insist. They urged him strongly, stay with us, abide with us. Because it's towards evening, the day is now far spent. We're coming into the darkness. Don't be going any further. And so Jesus goes in. And when he sits at the table... 
He takes, blesses, breaks, and gave it to them. Those four verbs, those four uh, action words, are the same words that are used at the feeding of the 5,000 and at the Lord's Supper. Those actions of taking and blessing and breaking and giving. And when they see that familiar action of Jesus, it's as if the light has come on. It's as if their, their eyes suddenly see what they couldn't see all along. It's Jesus. Jesus has walked with them. Jesus has talked with them. Jesus is with them. But as soon as they see him, he disappears. But look at how they are changed. Verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Their sadness, their disappointment, their tired legs are suddenly forgotten because they have this message, this good news for themselves that Jesus is alive. And so they get up. That very hour, and they go the whole way back. They cover the same ground, but it's entirely different. They have a gospel to proclaim. I wonder in our disappointments with God. Do they sometimes come about because we don't grasp what he says in his word? What he has promised us or or not promised us? And do they come about because we can't see that he is with us always? The disciples that night were transformed and changed because they had an encounter with the risen Jesus. They could make sense of what had happened. They could see that it wasn't a tragic mistake, Jesus dying on the cross, but that it was The plan all along. As we walk along that Emmaus road, as we seek to 
deal with disappointment. May we too know that the risen Lord Jesus walks with us and will open the scriptures to us as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Son, our risen Lord, is indeed alive. We thank you that he perfectly fulfilled your plan for his life, fulfilling your purpose for the whole universe. Help us in our disappointment, in our weakness and our confusion. Help us to know that you are with us. Help us to understand your purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.